uh, of kind of how Rust works a little bit, uh, which is it pretty much consumes your, 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 your life. And I came home yesterday and started playing it, and I realized at about 11 o'clock that I hadn't eaten anything for, like, for dinner. <laughs> and so I decided tonight that I would eat something for dinner in the five minutes before the podcast. So I hastily made the saddest sandwich ever and ate it over my sink. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, actually. I can say dry. So that I could get why did it take my phone call to get you in? It did. You just happened to call me right as I was sitting down okay. at the computer. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. So, but but here we are, here we are, friends, uh, sitting here together on the Enemy Slime Podcast, episode number one sixteen. I am, of course, your uh, kitchen sink enjoying meal man, Jared, and I am joined today by Mr. J. Joseph Jr. I feel your pain because I had to slam together some macaroni and cheese and an egg roll before this podcast. That's the spirit. God, don't we inconvenience ourselves? What <laughs> What a way to go. I have Mr. Doug Wilson here. I ate Cajun chicken and rice, not a sad sandwich. Were you sitting down for it? I was. Oh, what luxury. Uh, I'm sure Lucio Lorenzino can tell us about a real nice meal that he's going to have in, a, in another hour. Actually, we, we already had a lovely meal with the family. It was a... Uh, um, what, how do you say this one? I think it's a stew. It's the right. A stew? Let me. Like, like with beef? Like big chunks of beef and potatoes yeah. and carrots? Yep. And, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, noodles, yeah. Sounds yeah, lovely. Uh, and I, I, I will introduce our last person in just a second here, but I want to. What time, what time is dinner time in the Lorenzino household? Usually around 9 p.m. 9 p.m. All right, classic. Keeping with the culture. I eat like an old man. I eat at 6 usually. Yeah, I mean, 6 is dinner time, but not not in uh, any basically Latino uh, country. We're actually early. In the summer when the kids don't have school, like we'd be off and it's like 11.30. That's fucking weird, kids. man. <laughs> All right. And lastly, we are joined by Michael Mahoney. Hey, everybody. I made curried fried chicken. Oh, that actually sounds pretty good. It was not as good as I was hoping, but it was all right. How did you do that while also trying to manufacture C4? I came home, fried the chicken, and then got back on rust. Oh, okay. All right. Well, in fact, well, the chicken was... That's, that's, probably, that's probably why it wasn't good. He was in a rush to get back to rust. <laughs> it was mostly raw, and while it was frying, I was trying to climb up a refinery. Well, I mean, that's a normal thing that happens. So. Right. I mean, the division is the reason that I ate so late today. That's what we're that's what we're doing, I guess. Our lives are a mess. <laughs> yeah, things are things are rough around I, here. I'm noticed, I'm noticing people's meals are uh, are directly proportionate to what kind of video game they're playing and how much they enjoy that game. Yeah, I mean, normally you know dinner time is a much more luxurious affair, but uh, <laughs> but I'm in I'm in pretty deep now in in the Rust game. So you, you didn't have the, the chance to get the. Uh... Classical music CD that you usually play at dinner. Right, exactly. I didn't. The, my uh, my dinner candle set is still just chilling out in the cupboard right now. I haven't taken it out for like a week. Wow, that's you monster! Seriously, I'm, I'm so uncivilized. I know things are rough. I'm pretty around surprised here. that you eat dinner, Janet, because I feel like when we hung out in person, we ate like meat and cheese platters the whole time. <laughs> yeah, when we hung out, we ate pretty well. Uh, for some reason, at trade shows, dinner becomes like a once a day kind of affair. <laughs> usually, it's a once a day kind of affair. Yeah, that's well. Yeah. You, I don't know how many. I meant how many eating. Usually, have. I mean, you meant eating in general. I, I meant got eating it. in general, but 
Jay understood. It's okay. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've been doing really bad on, on a consistent meal plan lately, so I've had a few days now where I've only had one meal the entire day. Hey, speaking of the luxuries of dinner, why don't we talk about some folks who um, may be missing that luxury kind of soon? <laughs> um, so that's pretty Somalian. S- pretty smooth segue, right? <laughs> no, I'm, of course, talking about uh, the latest news to come out of Microsoft. Oh, okay. Uh, which is that the Xbox division has decided to close down Press Play Studios from Denmark. Uh, Press Play gave us such great hits uh, like Max, The Curse of Brotherhood, uh, and Kalimba. Um, yes, were, Kalimba, the great game. They were also working on a survival game uh, called Project Knoxville, uh, which is, of course, about Johnny Knoxville from Jackass as he tries to survive on an island. Uh, is that true? Serious? No, that's not true. But the fact oh, that you okay. believed me pretty much says everything that we need to say. <laughs> See, that probably sound that would have been a better game than just another survival game. So that studio's just closed. That's, that's done over closed. Uh, their other studio that they're closing down is in the UK. And in the UK, when you have, uh, they call them redundancies. We would call them layoffs here. Uh, they have to kind of be more delicate about it, I guess. So the way that Microsoft has phrased it is they are in talks with employees to move forward with their proposed closure of Lionhead Studios. Uh, this, this is, of course, Peter Molyneux's old home, uh, the studio that's responsible for Fable, Fable 2, Fable 3, and the now-canceled uh, Fable Legends, which oh, no. which literally no one is sad about. Yay! Yeah, sure, some of the guys at Lionhead have to be bummed. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Uh, Legends was announced back in 2013, uh, and it wound up being... De- it was supposed to be released in 2015. It got delayed for a year. Uh, the game is actually in closed beta right now. Uh, so if you were invited to that beta, you can play it, and you'll be able to play it until April. Um, and you will be the only one. So I, yeah, that's actually kind of a special experience. I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I remember when I was at E3 and I was waiting in line for the division, and I remember some people came over and they're like, "Hey, do you guys want to play Fable Legends? There's no wait for it." And <laughs> and nobody. And true story. I'm not making any of this up. And nobody took them up on it. And now I'm kind of thinking ah, I should have played it because now it'll never exist, and I'll always wonder uh, what it was. I'm sure like. you're, you missed out, Jared. I mean, it looked pretty unremarkable, right? It looked like a kind of, uh, uh, what's the, uh, boring piece of shit. That's what. <laughs> a Fable-like game? I mean, I'm actually kind of like the Fable Defender, too. Like, I enjoyed one, I enjoyed two. Uh, I even, I you know, I, I wouldn't call it the greatest game ever, but, like, Fable 3, I thought, was serviceable. Like, it was fine. Um, See, I, I, this is what I wonder, because um, Fable is always... Not not the first game, but the two additional games. With each iteration, it's felt more and more kind of uh, scaled back from being a full game, especially in comparison with everything else that was out. So I'm wondering how that would have looked in this in Legends. Well, so Legends, Legends, of course, and, and I think this is where the big kind of th- problem is is um, it's it's kind of like Metroid Federation Force, where they took a franchise that, while it might be like derided by by some, a lot of people actually you know enjoy and, and like Fable, and so they took a franchise that people liked and enjoyed, and they said, hey, rather than make another one, why don't we make a game that has nothing to do with it and <laughs> slap the same name on it? Uh, so Fable Legends is like this local multiplayer. I guess it has an online component too. 
Uh, and there's like this thing where like you can use smart glass to be the bad guy and like place stuff in a maze, but it's not it's not a traditional RPG. It was kind of um, like it was kind of like I, I guess Dungeon Land meets some kind of ARPG, I suppose. I feel like what basically happened is they should have made Fable Four, right? They should have just written down all the things people hated about Fable Three and then fixed them and made a Fable Four. Uh, but I, I have like to feel the like weird. Um, what do you call that thing the, that they put in place of the menu? Um, uh, oh, j- just the the map that you teleport to. Yeah, the little sanctuary thing or whatever. Yeah, that's the biggest problem with the game, in my opinion. Um, but if they would have gotten rid of that, things could have been a lot better. But but anyway, uh, what they did instead, and and I think this is probably maybe by Microsoft's own guidance. I wonder. I have a feeling Microsoft might have asked them for a more scaled back kind of simpler product that they could turn around and ship faster. And uh, I, I don't know that that's the case, but that's my guess. And um, they couldn't do that apparently because it got blown out by a whole year. And it really says something that the game is literally so close to done that it is in closed beta right now. And Microsoft would rather just not release it at all. <laughs> like, they're, yeah, that's they don't kind even... of amazing. They don't even want to spend the manufacturing for it. That blows my mind. Like I, I, I would think you'd at least like skip the physical disc and like make it a digital download right. or something like, like that. Online only. I, how? It, it, that's a really good question. How bad does it have to be? Do you really think it could be that bad? My yes. only, my only thought is that, that they probably think that it's not going to live up to whatever the server requirements are going to be for it, mm-hmm. uh, and they probably just don't want to keep you know servers running for a game that nobody actually connects to. Uh, but that's, yeah, I think that's more than. And the actual quality of the game is just that's going to be too expensive. That's got to be it, right? Like, there's just the number of players they think they can actually get in it will outweigh the cost of running it. Because I've seen some of the shit that's on Xbox One, and I don't think it's a quality issue. Yeah, I mean, it. like I said, people are obviously very clearly not excited about it. Um, <laughs> and uh, that is demonstrated by every trade show that I've seen it at. And I've seen it probably at three shows now. And I mean, like, there's never anybody waiting to play it. It's kind of one of those things that, uh, you know, nobody really gives a shit about. Uh, it's like the merry-go-round in Disneyland. It's like, oh, great, they have that, but I could go do pretty much anything else. Yeah, a merry-go-round has a lot more to offer than Fable. I think Federation Force is the best comparison. Like, the reason no one's interested in this is because it's not Fable, like... Oh my god, how about that Nintendo Direct, though? I think Lucio and I were the only ones that saw it. Yeah. It's, um, it sounded they, like this red the, guy. It sounded yeah, like you guys it thought it was, it, it was it was Bill Trinan, wasn't it? No, uh, no, no Bill Trinan was, was the guy who presented Federation Force. No, Bill, oh, Bill, like, Bill Trinan's like the main Nintendo exec. Yeah, yeah, he's the main Nintendo exec, but there's some guy that like introduced Federation Force who actually worked on it. Oh, okay. And, he was talking about Metroid Prime and being on the original development team, and he was almost bragging about it. Like he was bragging about yeah. how he was there for the original to be like. And so, what I decided to do when I was back on Prime was completely destroy this franchise. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm in. Like, I'm in kind I, of. I the... thought this game that everybody loves is too shitty, so I want to make something better. I'm in kind of the minority well, have, anyway I... because I I don't really like the Prime games either. Oh really? Um, they're okay. I, I don't. I don't love them. I don't think I've ever finished one. I just. Can't. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like it's with Fable. Each one is weaker than the last, but I think it's overall a strong series. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're okay. Um, but man, I'd I'd love me some Metroid side scroller again, um, like Fusion. Well, Nintendo thinks otherwise. Fusion so. was great. 
and it's kind of like what we talked about. We're like, that should be like a lot cheaper to make too. I would think. Um, but it's kind of like it's kind of like the Sonic conundrum that we keep coming back to, right? Like, why is it so hard to make a good Sonic the Hedgehog game? It's that simple. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, uh, who knows? It's it's going to be one of life's great mysteries, I guess. <laughs> anyway. I don't understand why Nintendo can get this. <laughs> it's just they just don't feel like it. They're not in the mood. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. Should we talk about speaking of E3? Should we talk about some of the upcoming changes to the show this year? I, this is a our booth babes back. Uh, no, booth babes are not back. Um, booth, I would I would debate the booth babes didn't really leave all that much. Uh, there's still plenty of uh, women I mean, hanging the, out at the, booths the, that are obviously not interested in you. <laughs> or more like they're not interested in video games. They're interested in you for as long as they need to be. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll wave to you uh, if you wave at them. And they'll smile and all that. They'll and smile and pretend they're having a nice time. They'll bounce How up and down. can you be in sweaty nerds, though? <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, I'm sure it's, uh, it's a tough one. I'm uh, actually friends with a booth babe. I don't know if you guys remember this, but back in like 2009, something like that, uh, E3 scaled back like a lot, um, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody was like, oh, it'll be the death of the show, and there won't be any more E3, and then it ballooned back up to normal eventually, uh, and so we're kind of seeing the same thing here, where people are like, oh, no, it's the end of E3, and that's probably not the case, but... Yep, E3's uh, as dead as Nintendo. EA has, uh, EA has dropped out of the show. Uh, this year, and they're oh, no. they're instead opting to host their own event uh, that they're calling EA Play, and it's going to be across the street. Uh, and the oh, difference, no. I want to go like, somewhere like else to watch fucking Madden. Yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. Like, I what are they going to do without NBA Two K Seventeen? Yeah, I was trying to think. I mean, if you look at all the companies that are dropping out, like they don't have big announcements like what does ea have they have mass effect probably and from the sound of the way things are going at bioware they may not have a whole lot to show uh for, yeah for it's not going Ooh, wait what's the what's the sound of things at bioware uh one of their like lead editors just left the company and left the uh, game so industry entirely the, huh so they're one of the writers uh oh, are yeah. they hiring now 11 hours ago, I have uh, Bioware loses another storyteller as Cameron Harris steps down. So mm. they're just, they're hemorrhaging people. Uh, this, is, this is finally my chance to write that Rex times Garrus scene. This is your chance. Oh, yeah. Anyway, you know, that, that will probably actually be better than whatever Roman's fucking. So, so let, me, let me say this. You know what this reminds me of? Holding one across the street. Uh-huh. The the Uya convention that happened. Yeah, or uh, Devolver actually does that just about every year. Uh, they... Yeah, well, Devolver's full of assholes. <laughs> they are. All right, there you go. Uh, well, I mean, it's not like they were going to send us a game anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, Mass Effect is uh, or, or uh, EA is going to probably set up a big shop there. The difference with the stuff across the street is that it's open to the public. And I wonder if this is kind of a push that they're trying to make to make E3 a little bit more open to the public. That's fair. Um, which is sort of a good and sort of a bad thing. Uh, having E3 be a little more private seems to make developers uh, or publishers a little bit braver. Uh, for example, I've seen, I saw Assassin's Creed Syndicate uh, was playable at E3 uh, last year, but I noticed very specifically that it was not at PAX. 
And I, I wonder mm. if maybe they didn't feel as comfortable having just like a regular old gamer get their hands on it as opposed to somebody who at least provided a GameStop uh, cha- paycheck stub to get in or something. You mm-hmm. know? Right. Uh, that is how like that is how like eighty percent of the E three attendees get in is they just work at GameStop. Really? That's what I noticed. It seems like I have like, everybody... a, I have like a year wasted at GameStop and I didn't use it to get into E three. Everybody's got a friggin' GameStop. You don't live in the wrong coast. Yeah, well, I mean, I was I was back and forth between LA and here at that time. Yeah, well, but you, it's fine because it was out. a lot more special that my first E three was within any slot. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Uh, Dr. E3 Cherry. Now, on top of that, uh, EA is not the only company dropping out. Uh, Activision is not going to be there either. And again, I'm trying to think of like the big Activision products. What do they have oh. this year? They have Call of Duty Ghost 2, which no one cares about. Um, um, excuse me. Legion? Hello? I don't even know what that is. What is that? Uh, it's going to be World of Warcraft, but they're not going to show anything at E3 anyway. They're going to wait till oh, BlizzCon yeah. to do it. Oh, yeah. that's, that's um, right. That's right. All of the uh, stuff is going to be that Hearthstone expansion. And again, they'll they'll do that on their own time. And what about Overwatch is going to be out already? Well, and they they say Activision. I don't know if Blizzard's pulling out too. I mean, I know that they own them, but I, I'm not sure whether or not uh, Blizzard will have. And Blizzard never really has much at E3 anyway. Um, and when they do, it's they're all fucking gone. It's typically not very interesting. So uh, anyway, they're they're Rock out. And Hero Guitar. Rock Band Hero Guitar, that's not happening. I think uh, I think music <laughs> games are probably going to take a little bit more time off to find themselves again. Uh, you know what we never talked about? We never talked about the fact that, um, uh, who was it? Rock Band really wants you to pay for their game on PC. Oh, yeah, they, they, they're crowdfunding uh, the PC port of Rock Band 4. Yeah. Uh, let's see how that's going. Let's just, let's just check it. <laughs> let's just check it right now. Let's, let's stop on by. Uh, Come on, kids! Version. Let's go down to Rock Band Land. Here it is on Fig. Uh, Rock Band Land. Ooh, it has not moved lately. Um, How much is it? So they need they need one point five million, apparently, and they've raised three hundred and sixty seven thousand, uh, and so they're they're twenty five percent of the way there. But I just checked this a couple days ago, and it was also in the three hundred thousand. So it's not moving very quick. Um, 1.5 million and you ain't even a quarter there <laughs> i would weep but i just don't care i mean i i was pretty good actually i'm kind of rooting for it not to succeed uh, <laughs> what's going on Who, who's fucking like snuggling up in a sleeping bag jay's cuddling yeah. up in bed who's to talk in? about rock band <laughs> who, who's in a tent he likes to. He likes to snuggle. Oh, up. I have a. I have a new bed. I have a. I have a posturepedic. So I've been playing with that the are, entire podcast. Are you really doing this from bed? Uh huh. I mean, whatever. I guess. What, <laughs> is it, what does it matter? Well, do you want me to wear a suit and tie? <laughs> yes. I am. That's what you're wearing. <laughs> I climbed out of a refinery to come here. Just sh- sh- <laughs> show of hands. Who's wearing pants? Everybody. As long as we're there. I mean, I have pants on. All right, on pants. my legs and I don't have any underwear on, but I have pants on. Well, that's fine. You can. I'm wearing pants, but my penis is out. <laughs> well, that's how everybody is in the podcast. Well, I saw well, you. I saw you hopping into Dark Souls, so I can see why. It's hard for my shorts to contain my massive girth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doug does get excited about Dark Souls. 
It's a God, thing. so hard right now. Anyway, uh, so yeah, they decided that the, the best uh, rock band that they could crowdfund would be the worst one they ever made. Uh, so brilliant. Perfect. Uh, let's see here. What else have I got on the old news? Oh, uh, that, did I already say Activision, Wargaming, and Disney? Yeah, they're all dropping out. Um, and again... Yeah. Wait, wait. So Disney's Disney gone even... Uh, yeah, Disney. I didn't even know this Disney was there. Disney Interactive won't be there, uh, so you won't you won't see like any Disney Infinity or. Oh no! Uh, again, yeah, I mean, like, uh oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I think this is fine. Uh, but man, there's just there's people all over the place that are reporting like this is the end of E3, and I, I just I'm not sure that that's the case. I could maybe see it switching to a model where they let more of the public in, though. Um, I kind of hope that's not the case. Uh, like I said, just because I I think that. We have packs for that, you know, and, and all these other cons. Uh, let's see here. Uh, no Man's Sky got a release date and a price, and the internet promptly lost their shit when they heard how much it's going to cost. Uh, how much is it going to cost? It is going to cost you fifty nine ninety nine, which is the same price as a traditional AAA uh, game. Now, people have uh, kind of erroneously made the claim that because No Man's Sky was made by a 12-man team, it does not merit a $60 price tag. And yeah, that's a weird argument. Yeah, that's, that's not the right. Stupid. That's not the right argument to make. The argument yeah, to make is that <laughs> the argument to make is that none of the footage or promises that you have seen regarding this game merit a $60 price tag. That would be the well. Compelling. That's that's even considering they can fulfill all all of those promises. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like the whole thing's kind of super sketch. Like if you pre-order No Man's Sky, and I'm telling you this right now, if you pre-order that game, you're stupid. You're a stupid, <laughs> stupid boy. And but you, what about the X-wing looking thing? I, I mean, you know, hey, maybe it'd be all right. Um, Jared, if people want to spend sixty dollars to play a boring game, then let them. I just, you know, it's the same people who would probably talk shit on Peter Molyneux. And just totally buy into No Man's Sky being all the things that they said it's going to be. I don't know, man. Like, all right, whatever you say. Um, Maybe it'll be great. We'll see. There's there's been like a half hour demo that a lot of the press got access to, and a lot of the write ups are pretty positive. Uh, It does. Oh no, I've never seen that before. uh, Yeah, well, uh, who's ever heard of the gaming press uh, liking something more than the general public does? That doesn't sound like a thing that could ever happen. (laughs) Yeah, so the game might be fun in about in an hour's worth of play, and then it might be the exact same thing over and over again. Yes, but there will be a lot of it, and isn't that really? It's like a, it's like a Ubisoft game, except it's just randomly generated as you go. It'll be great. Oh boy, that sounds super fun. Anyway, uh, there's been a lot of discussion as far as the price thing goes as to whether or not. Uh, basically anyone has uh, any kind of say in uh, prices for games. And I saw this string of tweets the other day. I tried to just stay off Twitter uh, because I find it to be just an awful place. So just real quick before you go, before you jump into your tweets. (laughs) Yeah. I'm slightly curious. Like I know Star Citizen charges these absurd amounts for like their ships and all that. But how much is the core game? Uh, For Star Citizen? Yeah. I don't actually know. I think you have to take out a loan at this point. <laughs> Let's see. I'm, I, ju- I'm just wondering if that has like anything to do with it, like anything at all. I don't even know if you can buy it right now. It or... might. It might not. I know people are uh, just buying a ton of ships and and spending like literally their life savings 
for Star Citizen. That's all I know. I'm not. I'm still to this day not super clear on how Star Citizen works or how you get into it or what you do. I I don't know either. There's one of us that does, but he's never on the podcast and he's hardly on the site. Yeah, well, there you go. So maybe someday we'll figure it out. <laughs> someday we'll solve the mystery. Uh, but you know what? No Man's Sky will be a much more affordable version uh, that you can have and hold and enjoy. And All right, so let's hear these tweets. And it might actually come out. So, yeah, I'm curious what you guys think about this. Uh, there, It says, something too many people still don't get is that even when a developer loves making games, making games has a cost, often a big cost. And not just monetary, though that can be great, especially with teams of people, but time, focus, stress, dealing with gamers all take a toll. If you don't make games, you have no business telling people what do oh people you have no business telling people that do what their work is worth. You've never truly paid what a game costs. And <laughs> I, I understand who, who wrote the, that? I, I won't say. It's uh you you can I did. You can probably find it if you really want to. It's a sure. it's a person on it's a very prolific Twitter person. And uh, I, have, clippy I have no beef with them whatsoever, uh, but I just found these tweets to be particularly, they were getting retweeted a lot, and I, I thought they were kind of, um, I understand where they're coming from in the sense of you can't tell someone like empirically, your game is worth $10, and that is what it is worth, and that is what everyone will say it is worth, and like, you, you can't say that, right? Because there's no way. It's, I would hope oh, nobody's actually died. making that argument. Oh, it's not a tangible thing that you can say how much it's worth. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we can all I, I can't tell you, like, objectively, this is what your game is worth. But I can tell you that I don't think your game is worth paying for what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, take Superhot, for example. Uh, you know, uh, objectively, what is the game worth? Well, I guess it's worth twenty five dollars because they got a bunch of people to pay it. But if you ask me, it's worth about ten less than that. So is No I mean, Man's I, Sky just become this indie darling that we are all not allowed to criticize anymore I, because it's so special? I indie darling. You are so excited, yeah. Well, that's, but I, so does that mean it's just beyond you're, reproach? You're wondering, has it transcended the the void of, uh, you know, ever being questioned about any? I, I, are we talking smack on the Quran now? I mean, get ready, get ready for the shit show when that game comes out. That's all I'll say. Uh, well, this, this is, is, this is, uh, I, I, I have a response to the tweet, but I also have a response to Michael. I I think to respond to Michael, you know, what happens is we get this these weird cult like attitudes around video games. Um, that doesn't and, sound right. And, and you know, like it, it depends on who you are. Like I, I guess it depends on who's in your camp, right? Kind of like it depends on who's in Donald Trump's camp, and you know, or who's in Bernie Sanders' camp. It kind of depends on who's on your in your camp. So developers and press have been No Man's Sky's camp a while. So you know, it it seems like they're naturally going to jump into the fray. Whereas I bet you, if it's if everyone was complaining about a big publisher um, putting a game out for what seemed to be too much, everyone else would be like decrying it, like, oh, how dare you, you're a monster expressing greed and all that and it's it's just very very tribal um you know and it's not i don't think it's helpful in terms of giving appropriate critique and i don't think it's helpful in terms of the discourse of video games um not that a video game discourse is that important anyway <laughs> right but, yeah, what you're uh, saying is if someone disagrees about me on no man's sky i should kill them yeah so that's exactly what i'm saying okay so so to respond to to what jared said as a content creator 
I think you can objectively, you know, quantify, and I think you as the audience can quantify what that price should be. You know, it's like if I'm going to put out um, a film or if I'm going to put out like a comic book or something, there's a static price for that thing. There's a there's a range that's going to go between, um, you know, two to five bucks for a comic book. Or if I'm putting out a, uh, a film in theaters, there's a range between like you're going to pay seven to twenty seven dollars for a ticket, depending on what you, where you are. You know, that's that's decided. Video games are kind of the only place where it's not decided. And I understand the feeling of consumers where it feels like where it feels pretty arbitrary when price tags get slammed on games, you know, Um so I mean, from it's... from an economics perspective, you're just basically trying to set the price to be whatever you think you can get the most people to pay, right? On right, average, right, or, exactly. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, it it really is just like at its core, it's raw economics. Like Super Hot went for twenty four because they thought reasonably they could get twenty four, and No Man's Sky is doubling down on the belief that they can get sixty for it because they're riding this super sweet hype train. And uh, I think they're probably right. I think they're probably going to be able to get 60 bucks for this game. And I think there are going to be people who buy it and are outraged that they paid that for it. But that's their own fucking fault. And it's not to say that's not worth the experience. Like, I like the division cost me a full 60 and so far I'm loving it. And in the flame and the flood, I was a little sketchy on their price at first. And then I bought the game and I'm like, yeah, this was worth every dollar. But at the same time there's a very simple price gouging that happens and like far cry primal that's a big name so you say i'm going to charge 60 bucks for this and then we learn like everyone was fucking ripped off with that game because you're using literally the same exact engine that you built for the previous game you're using the same exact map and you just slap this 60 dollar price tag on the game when all of us i think kind of realize now this should have been like a 15 to 20 dollar game um 20 dollars at most so there's there is something that that feels very kind of arbitrary and a, and a bit cheap about it and uh you know i do believe that content creators and developers and publishers spend a lot to develop these video games but you know um since the numbers are so opaque who's really to say that it cost you more to make no man's sky than it did to make um super hot or in the flame in the flood i mean when we when we release uh, a crown of beards we're gonna be, we're we're gonna be aiming just for the number that we think we can trick people into paying for it. Um, I've been noodling that around quite a bit, and I think it's gonna be a four ninety nine game. That's I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's I think, a reasonable price. But one sixty for the collector's edition, <laughs> because right. it will contain our beards. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll say all of our hair. Yeah, we all we all shave off a little lock. Yeah. Just a warning, I can't grow a beard, so that hair is going to have to come from someplace else, and it won't be my head. We'll have our we'll have pubes. Our, our beard-growing boys <laughs> <laughs> take care of it instead. But yeah, anyway, uh, so, uh, and this, this actually, following this kind of chain of drama, it led me to an old thread for uh, Firewatch, actually, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. Ooh, Firewatch. uh, It's a post that was made pretty early on uh, after the game was released on Steam. And uh, this guy said, he said, so this game was $18. I purchased it because I enjoyed games like this. And I enjoyed this game a lot, like way more than a healthy amount. But it was two. Oh, this guy. But it was two to three hours. I feel like there could have been more, and I'm thinking of refunding it. So here's my problem. I loved the game. It has a unique game. Okay, with awesome narration and storytelling. 
I like the developers. I mean, seriously, have you seen how active they are on these forums? What other dev is that connected to their community? I want to support the developers, but there was so much more I could have got with my $18. Should I refund or hold on to it? And one of the devs came and wrote a nice long response to them, basically talking about how much work it was for them to make the game. And so that's why they deserve $20 for it. Um and it's just, I would just say this. I, I I read this at the time. I I I was following it when it was going on, and I thought the guy that posted that that I could get more with my with my eighteen dollars. I thought he was such a giant asshole. Oh, he's a fucking yeah. idiot. You're you're a giant fucking idiot if you're like I played it, I enjoyed it, and now I'm thinking of getting all of my money back. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Yeah, she was. It's ridiculous. It's like that's like going to the theater and watching a movie, and then when you get up, you like rip the seat out and take it with you. You're like. Ah. <laughs> I'm really enjoying the movie. This is a good movie. This is a great movie. I'm going to take this fucking seat. Gamers already have that kind of reputation of being whiny, entitled assholes, and boy, that guy didn't help. Yeah, really. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that wasn't. I just, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's. I mean, and and ultimately, the developer writes this impassioned response about like, oh, we worked so hard on this game, and that's why it deserved to be twenty dollars. And I don't even necessarily agree with that logic, but. but she was a lot nicer I, I, than, I, than I would yeah, have. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think she didn't need to respond to that guy, frankly. Yeah, like, probably not. She, 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 you know, the other, the other posters in that thread were already kind of on top of it, telling him why he's a jackass, and and then she comes out with this really nice response, and it's a really detailed and thoughtful thing. But I, you know, if it were me, I would have just ignored that shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably would have just posted and been like, "Go fuck yourself, <laughs> <laughs> piece of shit." We should totally do that with a crown of beards. Oh yeah, crown of beards is going to have that problem all the time. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be at least eighty hours. So yeah, it's probably an eighty-hour game. <laughs> no, we, we, the, the, we make a game that's two hours and one minute. Well, and that's the <laughs> thing is, like, to beat Firewatch, he's already at the three-hour mark, so his questions probably moot anyway. Oh, well, okay. that, and that, that's kind of the other thing. Like, I, is time a fair measurement? I don't think it is. I think it's like what you get for your time. Oh sure, I mean we we've talked about this a whole bunch. Like there are, uh, we Dunkey did that video on Assassin's Creed and why it's a pile of garbage, and he compares it to uh, Uncharted a lot, which they're not really the same type of game necessarily. But he's right in the sense that like Uncharted's are are very short, but like they're very finely crafted. And I would much rather pay sixty dollars for an Uncharted game that I'll have ten hours of fun with than an Assassin's Creed that I'll wind up hating. Uh, by hour 40 you know so i mean money is or time is definitely not uh the best metric to to look at it with if you ask i mean if that's your measure then i guess arena would be like the best game ever right and so (laughs) i mean that's why people love league of legends so much right because you can play it for 42 hours uh a week and um you know you feel like you, you didn't even pay for it it was free to play so shit. Why, yeah, why even make games again <laughs> when we have that? Or what about Dwarf Fortress? You could play that for the rest of your life. <laughs> I mean, you probably could. If you're that kind of sick bastard. But... So I don't even know why we're having this discussion. It doesn't even matter. Adam Islam is, is done because the best games have been invented already. Anyway, I, my response to these tweets and to these developers is, yes, I can decide how much your game is worth, and I will tell you to your face. <laughs> This is how much your game is worth. And then and then I'll take whatever amount of money I say it's worth and I'll tear it up in front of you. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just what I, it's just what I'm going to do. 
Yeah, I mean, you could light it on fire and then use it to light a cigarette. I'm going to do that at all of our PAX appointments this year. After I play it, I'm going to say, eh, I think this is worth $10. <laughs> and then I'm just going to just rip up $10 and throw it on the ground and leave. <laughs> Maybe that'll get people to respond to me. <laughs> We're going to be the Barber Digital of, of uh, video game sites. Stop talking shit about the Barber. <laughs> Oh my god! Why? Please send us games. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think. I told you the story with our interview to the Warbird, right? Yeah, uh, they have an eighties RPG coming out on to play. I know. They that's the that's the tragedy of it, is they have really great games. They're just like <laughs> there's there's something about their staff that has just always rubbed me wrong. Whenever I meet up with them at shows and stuff, like they're just always. They're always so unhappy that I'm there. We've talked you know, about you this before. You don't even have to I meet think. them in person to like get that sense of smugness off of them. I don't. You know what I heard about them? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't. What? I haven't written down all the timestamps where we said it. Don't make me go back and find all these. I just heard they're not really nice people. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, sure. They're probably they're probably and nice they're riddled people. with herpes. There. <laughs> There it was. <laughs> I was waiting for the drop. There You'd probably be mad too. Oh boy. Um. Anyway, Bob has so, got herpes on the dick. Should we talk about? Uh, should we talk about some games now? Yeah. Other than Warbird games, what should we start with? <laughs> should we start with the division? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess it's up on it's, my. It's new. Right it's hot. It's the new sexy. Should we? Let's, it's the new sexy. Let's talk about it, Jay. What is the division? The division is the Tom Clancy joint in which New York is destroyed by a virus. That's the a, dollar bill virus. Isn't that a little sci-fi for Tom Clancy? Um, not really. Not the way that they present the story. You think? You think it's true to the Clancy spirit? I think it's true to the Camp Clancy spirit. Basically, what happens is some guy just, or, or I guess some group terrorist, whatever, they devise this, this virus, they place it on a couple of stacks of bills, and they let it circulate throughout New York. Oh, okay. Um, and people contract the virus, and it's like, you know, it's like, it, it, it's like um, I don't know, uh, what's the virus everyone's terrified of? Like West Nile or some shit like that. Zika? Or the Ebola. Zika. Everyone's afraid of Zika right now. Um so it's like that. It's not like a zombie virus or anything like that, right? It's not turning people crazy. The um, all the enemies that you fight are like completely sane human enemies who are just taking advantage yeah, of the, super the situation. Sane. Especially the guys on fire. <laughs> well, I mean, the guys on fire, they believe the only way to get rid of the virus is by burning it out. Um, and it's it's basically this this th- theme of the city that's fallen and. There are just people that are taking advantage of it. Like, you know, you have, I guess, three groups. You have the cleaners, who are the guys who set everything on fire. You have the uh, rioters, who, you know, are just going out and, and killing and stealing and raping and doing whatever. And then you have the uh, Rikers, who I'm not sure what they do yet. They seem to explicitly target cops. That seems to be their deal. Um, but th- that's that's kind of the story. It's... um. It is an ARPG. We had this. I had this discussion with Jason right after our last podcast. What qual that what qualifies an, as an ARPG? So I'm going to double down on that. Um, and Ubisoft builds it as one anyway. So it's really about kind of um, you know figuring out your stats, figuring out your class, balancing your stats. Um, it's not super complex. You know, you only have three stats to mess with. So you can either go for a balance build or you can go for something that targets one of those three stats, which is basically DPS defense and um, 
for lack of a better word, we'll call it magic. I think it's like tech or whatever, but it affects yeah, your skill. I think it was. Yeah, it affects your special skills and abilities and all that. Um, that's basically the division. I'm I my I have two characters. One's level nine. Um, <clears throat> I've done a couple of dungeons. I haven't gotten back to the dark zone yet, so I haven't gotten a chance to play that. Um, you know, there's there's some stuff that's that's changed a little bit from the beta. I think a lot of it. Uh, sadly for the worse, um, you know, I could see why they hit this stuff in the beta, um, and why they're kind of doing, you know, no reviewers got this before the game was launched. So it, it's got, it's got some faults now that are, that are showing through a little bit that I can, that I could go into detail on. Sure. What, what kind of stuff are you bummed out by? The biggest thing I'm bummed out by is that Ubisoft seems to be trying out a new model in terms of content progression and in terms of character progression. And uh, that's a model in which your character is directly linked to your development of your base. Um, so your base has three wings and your base has a medical wing, a tech wing and a security wing. And, um, you know, those those wings go hand in hand with the three kind of classes that you can build, which you can build sort of a healer class or tank class or a damage class or kind of like a hybrid between whatever. So really in order to progress in your classes, you have to go out and um, find the resources to build up the specific wing that is related to whatever you're trying to build. Um, So it's not, it's not a very natural progression. Um, I guess it does give you a way to kind of target and customize your character because on my guy, I'm trying to do um, a pretty strong healer. So I've gone out a lot and just kind of exclusively done the medical missions at the cost of shutting myself out from a couple of the security and tech missions. In fact, I don't even have my tech guy yet. Um, You know, I tried out his dungeon in the beta, but I haven't gone back to get him yet. And... um, and I don't super love that. I don't think there's any particular reason that your um, character's progression should be linked to your base like that. And they did it in Far Cry Primal, too. And I think that's, like, the biggest thing that's kind of bugging me. Um, so, I, I um, you know, they, they started trying that out with Far Cry Primal. And I, I went into this over the last podcast how uh, Takar's um, builds are tied to building other people's bases. And I just don't like the system. And knowing Ubisoft, they're going to continue doing this, right? They're going to do it for the next several games that they release. Um, and I don't know. It just rubs me kind of the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's uh, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a disappointment. How would you compare it to Destiny? I like it better than the Destiny, for sure. It's, it's, um, to me, it's the obvious comparison. Um, yeah, I, I think that's easily the obvious comparison. I, you know, it, it plays a lot more like a Tom Clancy game. It plays a lot more like Future Soldier, um, you know, than it does Destiny. So it 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 does feel a lot like kind of Tom Clancy the RPG, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, um, but I what I like about it compared to Destiny is for one, it has the setting working for it a lot more. So um, in Destiny, I guess they give you all these fantastical worlds and you're in outer space. And then every enemy you fight is like exactly the same in Destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in The Division, you're fighting a lot of human enemies, too. But given the theme and all that, you know, you're limited to a small portion of New York City. You're not really, you know, you're not going to Venus or any of that bullshit. So um, theme works a lot better for it. Um, 
you know, I think um, um, damage types and, and kind of collision damage and, and all that works a lot more for the division um, than it does with Destiny, which always felt kind of, um, God, I don't know what the word for it is when, um, it always felt a bit, I, I, I don't know, I guess, I guess, I guess soft kind of gunplay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shit, shit is a good word. Um, you know, so I, I, it, it's better. It's better. It's, it, I like it. I like it better than destiny. I, I think in terms of building a class, the division is a lot less concerned about you building your class and it is giving you a lot of cool guns to play with. Um, so you can you can figure out what kind of weapon you want to use and get that weapon pretty quickly and then customize it in um in whatever whatever ways you kind of want. Um, you're kind of limited in the early game, but as you get further and unlock more mods, you can customize your weapon in more detailed ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a crafting system which isn't the best crafting system in the world but i don't think ubisoft's ever done a good crafting system like they insist on crafting systems and they just don't do a good job of it um but um i don't know i i I still dig it i still dig it a lot it's it's like not the love affair i had with the beta but um you know it's still a very strong game yeah i mean it's good to hear it is something that i think we were all planning on being pretty underwhelmed by so uh Mm -hmm. Anything is a pleasant surprise at this rate. <laughs> so thanks, guys. I, I mean, that's kind of like hey. Ubisoft, right? Because Ubisoft, they set the lowest bar possible for themselves. Yeah, you know, they toss in a pleasant surprise right now. And then. I mean, it really, it's a smart way of doing things, of managing expectations. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. Release three bombs for one good game. Who am I to talk shit? Whatever. It obviously works. They're very successful. I mean, it's a lot better than their last giant multiplayer game. Oh, it's that's not true. That's oh, not, that's not true at all. Cruise and masterpiece. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about The Walking Dead, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I don't fucking care. We don't have to talk about it because I literally am. I give no shits about The Walking Dead, Urban Sword Lady. Uh, all right. Well, let, let me sum it up. Have you guys ever played a Walking Dead game? Oh, I have. Then you have played Urban Sword Lady. Oh, good. I don't. I don't think that's entirely true. I would say I, it's not I, entirely it, false. It's uh, <laughs> well, it, Ur- Urban Sword Lady does uh, two things differently from other Walking Dead's. Um, one thing I really like, one other thing I really don't like. Uh, one of the things it does differently is a lot of it is about um, uh, Michonne's mental state. So, over the course of the game, she'll have these periods where she kind of starts to break down and and she really starts to affect her and. Um, you know, it's nice because you never you never had a character who's kind of in any Telltale game who's mentally unstable like she is. So it gives them a chance to play around a little more. Um, yeah, really that unstable, like or is she just on her period? Uh, she's, <laughs> Thanks, she's really unstable. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, I mean, Sean is crazy as fuck. Would you think it's something people forget about her? Well, yeah, because she if you watch the TV show, she's not. She's just a fine, normal person now. I don't Is that know, sure? Because I, I don't watch the show. Pretty much, yeah. She's just doing fine. Uh, now, I haven't played as far as Jay, but so far the the breakdown of her mental state involves seeing some dead kids. Well, that's pretty. That's heavy stuff. I mean, I mean, yeah, but that's. I, I think that's a simplification. What the the very first scene that they 
drop you into, um, which is the one that everyone saw in the the demo, is the scene where she's kind of like split between these two worlds of what's real and what's fake. And, um, you know, it ends with her um, wanting to kill herself. And um, I I don't know. I, I, I like it. I like I like that there's a lot of potential to have this unreliable narrator um, in the story. And there's a lot of potential for her to just kind of like slip at any moment. And um, I like that. I, I think that it does a couple of things that are visually interesting. I think they do a couple of interesting things with the setting. Like we've never really been out on the water before in terms of The Walking Dead. Um, so it takes us out on that river society. And for people who are interested in seeing that kind of shit, they like that. You know, you're not it's not just wandering around Georgia anymore. Here's the, um, here's a question. Does the game star, not star, but does it feature uh, Telltale's classic uh, illogical asshole? Like, I'm a huge asshole, even when logically I shouldn't be one. Yes. Okay, as long as he's there, that's important. <laughs> there are two, actually. Okay, even uh, better. The best, of the, All the best Telltale games have more than one illogical asshole. Because you have one on your ship, and you have one, you have a, a teenage girl that you meet later on. Um, this is the second one. Now, I mean, there there are a lot of um, story beats that it repeats, and the the antagonist is basically just cut and paste from Carter. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be exactly the same. Um, and the way that you guys are talking about this kind of reminds me of what I felt when I was playing uh, story mode, where it just felt like. If We're I doing this again. By the numbers, where it's you know, okay, I already seen this. This is a part where they fight. This is a part where, you know, one of them threatens to leave, and then he's going to leave anyway, regardless of what happens. <laughs> no? No, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... And again, I haven't played all of it, but so far it really hasn't done anything that I haven't been expecting. Okay, but wait. What if you find a young boy that you have to take under your wing and teach to be, like, a good warrior and stuff? I mean, you've got a middle-aged black man who's kind of like that, I guess. Oh, well. I, I see, see, see. I don't know. I don't know that. You know, because because I'm not sure that that means because I I I played the game and um, you know, there's some stuff that's genuinely kind of um, pleased me. I'm not I'm not sure like surprising is the right way to put it, but it's a unique it's a unique perspective of the world and they've taken a way to do like there's one thing that I th- I thought was really cool. Um, Oh, where you're stuck, where you're trapped on this ferry, and I guess I guess it's a spoiler, but whatever. You're trapped on this ferry, and you find um, that there are all these people that have been executed and executed in a fashion that um, they can't come back, except for one who is left hanging from a door frame, um, you know, with the bottom half of his body just kind of eaten away, and it, it has this major implication that this guy died a pretty horrible death, and now you have this hanging walker that's just kind of like struggling and helpless and whatever and i thought i thought something like that you know i thought the visuals in that part of the game were like very cool and very slick and and really kind of creepy and a little bit scary in a way that um i feel like the walking dead has relaxed on a a little bit like there's there's not a lot that really um shocks out of the series because it's like whether whether it's the tv show or the comic book or whatever or or the game it's like okay now we need a walker horde and they don't really find any way to to make that feel like anything anymore but this is the first time that i felt kind of that early day of the walking dead where oh man this is there's some fucked up shit happening in this world um and i like that i don't know 
I mean, stylistically, it, it does all right. It's just the story is feels recycled. The you know the the story beats like it's a gunfight and oh no, walkers. What are we gonna do? So let's let's fix it, Michael. What, what's it, how does your Walking well, Dead game play out? Uh, let's see. First of all, it's gonna take place in Nebraska. Oh, totally different. <laughs> I don't know Kansas, a lot of flat land. Yeah, that'll be fun. I don't know. I I know. I'll, I'll give him. It can't be easy to write this kind of stuff. Like obviously uh, not. You're really struggling here. <laughs> You put me on the spot, Jared. Jesus. <laughs> hey, All right, I came well, up with Nebraska on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah clearly you did. That's true. Doug, tell us about your Walking Dead game. What happens next in Nebraska? Nebraska. Clowns. <laughs> uh, abandoned fracking plant. Okay. All right. And the main antagonist is your ex-girlfriend's dad. <laughs> okay. Why is he mad at you? Because you had to kill his zombie daughter, and he he thought that she could be brought back to life. Oh, okay. He's the irrational asshole. See, I'm good at this. Wow, you already made an irrational asshole. Good job. Yeah. You could write a Telltale game. It's classic. So, 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 so let, me, let me comment on what I, you know, I think Michael is killing a little bit, because I feel this too. Um, and this is probably familiar to everyone, no matter what recent Telltale game you've played. Because um, this is the part that I really don't like about the game. And those are the action sequences. And as I've mentioned, they've really fixed um, the command prompts, right? So QTEs are easier. They're more responsive. They're a little harder to fail. Fail. It feels more like um, the game is responding to your context than you're just pressing something and stopping something else from failing. Um, so they fixed it, but there's still like an over-reliance on action sequences. And... Um, I think Michael actually put it best where he was like, you know, it excuses them from really developing any kind of a really tense, meaningful atmosphere, which um, they had a lot of in the first game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not so much in the last one and and kind of kind of not at all in this one. Like anytime, anytime you run into a scene where uh, Michonne's about to lose it or some kind of romantic tension or, or any kind of character development, it's like, oh, here are the walkers. Here's an action sequence. And literally what starts to happen in the game is it requires that you put in shit like combo sequences so that Michonne can do something really badass and the action will slow down and you'll get these big bushy sound effects and then she'll like execute a zombie um, like, you know, she's Michonne God of War or some some bullshit (laughs) like that. And I swear to God, the first time this happened. I lost my shit. I like laughed out loud and I couldn't stop laughing. I found it so hilarious because it was nothing at all like Walking Dead and nothing at all like a Telltale game. And it just felt completely just out of place. And definitely and really at the very least, I would think it's not something that would ever happen in the show. <laughs> I mean, it, it could. I, I don't have like an encyclopedic knowledge of it. So maybe it is something that has happened before. But I feel like nobody's ever slowed down time to do a cool move. <laughs> In the TV well, then show. the narrator announced, "Awesome combo." <laughs> I remember. I remember yeah, time. That would improve the show greatly. Time uh, slowed down. A little head popped up in the corner. Toasty. I remember what time. Time slowed down one time so they could shoot a kid in the face. Uh, <laughs> but that's all I recall. 
I mean, I don't know why the TV show is your benchmark, Jared, because the TV show is pretty awful. That's better than the fucking comic. Oh, my God. I disagree. Yeah, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. I disagree with the that. The comic's garbage. If I could erase it from the earth, I would. I mean... But then... <laughs> absolutely terrible. And but, it's, but it I, needs I, to I, end, much like the TV show. shows no sign of I, ever I, slowing I down. I agree on that part. I agree that it needs to end. I don't know about erasing it. But how do you even end it in a satisfying way? There's no solution. So, like, I don't even... I, I, I don't have the answer to how to... Well, end. and that's that, that's the problem with a series that goes on for too long. Because it, 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 the, the early series felt very much like Lost, where you're going to get, like, a definitive answer... And now the series feels like the second half of Lost. Well, like now, all just an autistic <laughs> child snow globe. Now, and, and plus, like Kirkman's on record saying, like, I'm not really interested in exploring like how it happened or curing it or anything like that. And so, like, I mean, by by that very nature, like, it, there can be no resolution to it, right? It's it's like if the Lost guys were like, we're not really interested in saying, like, they at least lied the whole time and are like, oh, hey. <laughs> Hey, we got a plan, and we're gonna tell you all of it. Don't worry about it. Like, I, I guess I'd prefer that to just knowing, like, right then and there. Like, I'm not really interested in finishing this, by the way. Just, just so you know. So, so I, I, and I think I want to go back to the comics and the TV show because the thing about Michonne is, even though she, yeah, okay, she's walking around with these two chain zombies, and she has a badass samurai sword. It, She's always used it in like a realistic manner, right? It's never been this. She's some super samurai, um, going around and just like decapitating zombie after zombie. It's like you know, okay, she's gonna take this, and it's one heavy thunk to the skull, as you would when really wielding a sword like this, and then that's it. You know, it's not it's not all these fancy executions that <laughs> Walking Dead Telltale has you pulling off. Um, so, so that part I didn't like at all. That that part, it's it's like if, if for all the atmosphere and all for all the style and all that, that's kind of bringing it up. There are all these action sequences that are bringing it down, and it's probably going to even out, you know, whatever eventual score um, for me anyway that I would give it. So, how much is it? How much money do you lose with The Walking Dead? I think it's I think it's fifteen bucks. I think that's pretty standard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think if you buy the uh, if you buy the first episode, then buy the remainder. You can get it for like twelve, maybe. Yeah. Okay. I think it's pretty standard. The, the, the price didn't bug me. I, I would say, you know, if you haven't played a Telltale game before or you're just looking for more of what they've done previously, this isn't bad. It's just not uh, it's not doing anything new or exciting. I think it's kind of clumsy with some of the some of the story aspects, but uh, it's not offensive. I, I, I think, you know, what I, what I feel like is is I feel like this. I feel like Telltale has a formula that they're comfortable with, right? And it's like, okay, people receive our games well, uh, they buy a lot of them, so this is the formula we're going to use. And what they do to test that formula is that they push it, like, incrementally. So it's, you're never going to have a game that's that much different from the others, but it feels like each one is a little bit of a step in the next direction. Like, Game of Thrones, I feel like, was really the first time where they started pushing um, this heavy action um um kind of narrative and the problem is that they suck at action (laughs) yeah yeah they do suck they do suck at action i but i I, i'm just talking about the incremental steps that they take towards each one so now we're at michonne where she's basically acting like uh, kratos but that started (laughs) with um um shit like in uh the wolf among us and game of thrones where uh the action was a lot more kind of scaled back and all that and there's a sense that there's almost a sense that Telltale is now trying to make 
not so much adventure games as they are like interactive movies. And I get that sense from them too. Um, and I'm not saying that's the right thing or the best thing for their games, but that's what it feels like to me that they, that they want to do it in little baby steps. So they have a, a stated direction that they're moving in. They just don't want to do it all at once. You know, the walking did, or I'm sorry, uh, the wolf among us does action pretty well, but you know, like, you play as a guy who's like a werewolf. So when he's, you know, fighting a giant monster, it's it feels organic to the story they're telling, but you know, in The Walking I mean in The Walking Dead you're fighting zombies, so you know, how grounded in reality are we? But it just it no, doesn't but it, uh, he's right in the sense that it's out of character for Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. And it just doesn't like I I couldn't imagine Lee doing all of this stuff. Alright, so at some it, it, point we're gonna eat our own tail here, so let's Let's wrap it up, because uh, I think we're just saying the same stuff over and over again at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, bad game, don't play it. <laughs> All right, so we got one. We got one for. We got one against. Uh, I probably won't be the tiebreaker. I don't. I don't know if I'll pick this up. We'll see. Yeah, um, I haven't picked it up yet. So I, I just want to. I do. I do just want to end this because I. Th- I, I think there was some really badass action-related stuff that um, Clementine did in um, the second season that felt really nice and really organic and goes a lot more t- in tune with what Michael is saying. And I, and I think we both agree that in terms of the action in Michonne, it just feels a bit off course for, for the series and for Telltale. And I'd actually and probably tell you though, that like, whatever Clementine did, I didn't like going either, back but, to so, Sorry, go ahead, Michael. I was going to say, I'd probably actually tell you that whatever Clementine did, I probably didn't like either, but I liked it when she fell in the river. Good job. <laughs> uh, I'll say so with Clementine, they at least earned it. I don't, right. am, I, am I just like remembering badly? Game. I don't remember her ever really having any action aside from like run from she a had guy. A, she had to hack that woman's arm off if you made her. Uh, I mean, that's that's barely like. I mean, that's not even right, like but attacking that's like, that's, someone. Anybody could do that. That's that's more in line with like The Walking Dead, and that's why it's it's nothing like it's nothing big like Michonne jumping up into the air and, and yeah, <laughs> it didn't require her. any bullet time. So, right, exactly. So, would you guys say that the action is out of place for uh, the series? Like, it doesn't fit into the overall feel yeah, of The Walking Dead? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit more um, cartoony and video gamey. So, yeah. basically, what you're telling me is that what Telltale should do with what they want to do right now is just basically the Evil Dead. But so, but so, what right. we're saying is the action. Yeah. Is, the action is cool, but it just doesn't fit in with the overall style of the game. Right, that's what right, we're talking but, about. The Evil Dead. Yeah, you know, damn, Ash that'd be, with a fucking, that'd be cool. You know, Bruce Campbell with a fucking chainsaw on the boomstick. He, he's saying that because he just watched um, the new Evil Dead series. That's out. It's pretty good, actually. Oh, I saw <laughs> I saw the first episode of that. It's pretty good. But I want to sit. And ex- <laughs> I want to sit and explore this anymore. So you guys, you like the action. But you don't like that it doesn't feel like The Walking Dead, right? I think the action scenes are well constructed. I can't believe I'm still getting you to answer this fucking question. <laughs> what are you keep asking? Is no one because... yeah. Who's All the right. villain here, Jared? All right, we're moving on. We're moving on because I can literally... I guess hey, we can, can, we I, can literally... I say something else about the action? Yes, I would actually like you to just say something else about the action because I don't feel like someone listening to this is going to get the takeaway that they need to get from it. Okay. So give me give me a definitive final statement about the action. Um, action good. But... You know, you know what? Kerman probably had really good action. That's sad. What? Bottle Pope. Battle Pope? Battle Pope. Is that literally, is that what I think it is? It is exactly what you think it is. Oh. 
Actually, it's probably easier than you think it is. Why isn't that a TV show? They did. It was really bad. Why isn't it a Telltale game? Because uh, they, they gave it to Spike, and Spike basically neutered it. Battle yeah. Pope. Oh, look at that. He's a Pope. Oh, man, this is way better than The Walking Dead. It's really good. <laughs> you should pick it up. I have, I have the whole, all the volumes. I don't even need to see any more of this. This is everything I need. Is that Jesus is a hippie? Yes, it is. Oh, man. Uh, Google Mary. This is Battle this Pope is Mary. Sacrilicious. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Mary... Uh, Why well, I like Google this, so the action just doesn't quite fit in. Oh, I've, I've seen this picture before, I think. Yeah, okay. This is awful. Leak great. <laughs> put so, your, so, so how about this? Who is going to buy Telltale Batman? Um, I don't really... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> All right, is it just that people are sick of the Telltale formula? Do you just want them to stop making games? You know what I've you know what I've noticed about Telltale is I've noticed, and I said this earlier with the illogical asshole comment. I've noticed that almost all of the uh, motivation or joy that I derive from Telltale titles is largely due to their assholes. Basically, <laughs> uh, they just write they just write dickhole characters so well. I don't even know that so well is right because they're not rounded, right? They're just literally like uh, they're they're just like hatred personified. <laughs> and all I want is to see them all like laid to waste. And sometimes I get that, and most of the time I don't. Like that's the that's the other thing that you start to notice about the Walking or about uh, Telltale Games in general is most of the time the 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 horrible dickhead uh, they get away with it, right? They <laughs> they escape and they steal your RV. Or uh, or their entire family lives because we have to have a sequel or, you know, just all that fucking shit. So, But you did kill Kenny off in the last one. Kenny's not even... I wouldn't even put Kenny in that category. Like Kenny's, oh, really? I would Kenny's say a that, good guy. I would say that Kenny is probably the most well-rounded character uh, <laughs> that they've made. Um, he, he's pretty well-rounded. Some, sometimes, I Kenny, will say, Kenny, you know? sometimes they're kind of arbitrary with him and they make oh. him do stuff because they need him to do it, not because I think that's what he'd actually do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but he's not like he's not like someone like Carter, right, who's just like evil for evil's sake. Or, um, I mean, the entire Forrester clan, hey, right? Hey, like, now, that, that, that guy fucked his bitch. Carter had a good reason. Like, the Forrester clan, they're just they're just child eaters. Like, they're just, they're baby munchers. Like, they just want to... Are you thinking of the White Holes? You, you Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't care. It obviously it didn't. <laughs> obviously it didn't resonate. No, the foresters. The foresters are the friendly hippies. That's right. Yeah, the foresters are the one that got slaughtered. Yeah, the uh, things didn't go so good for them. Folks need to toughen up. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know. Just all of that is. Uh, it, it's kind of their method, right? So I'm trying to figure out who the gigantic asshole in Batman's going to be. Uh, it's got to be someone who's on Batman's side. So like Commissioner Gordon. Is going to be like a huge cunt to Batman every time he sees Lucio, him. Lucio, tell us who it is. Nightwing. Oh yeah, Nightwing? actually, that's a, that's probably right. I bet Nightwing is just like a huge disproving dickhead. He's always <laughs> probably like, I gotta, I gotta prove you that I can be Batman too. He's just always shitting all over the worst Batman ever. He shits all <laughs> over everything Batman does, and then in the second episode, he steals his RV. <laughs> it's out of nowhere. That does sound like something Nightwing would do. Todd? But that's just like that's their that's their expertise to me, and it, and it is what motivates you most of the time. Uh, but like Tales of the Borderlands has a character like that. Like the main antagonist is just like awful for the sake of being awful, and he's just so obnoxious. And you watch your character get shit on so much that all you want to do is keep going so you can see him like get his way or get his revenge. 
Um, I feel like the first Walking Dead is maybe the only one that, I mean, even even it has it, but they disappear more quickly. Uh, so yeah, like, so like, yeah. there's the dad that gets the salt lick dropped on his head, right? <laughs> uh, and those guys uh, at the cannibals. Yeah, the cannibals. And then after after that, the, it's kind of no one. It, it kind of becomes Kenny a little bit, and then I think things are okay. Um, think, how, how great was it when you when you executed that cannibal in front of Clementine, though? It was pretty great. <laughs> it was. It was, it was like, oh, I'm not really sorry. And if you want to hear more about that, you can go and watch or listen to our uh, dedicated Walking Dead podcast as well, because yeah, because we used to like the series. I, mean, I still do. Whatever. Like, I'll play. The, <laughs> I'll play the next one. Um. We'll I, I gotta say though, like for all the hate that we're giving Telltale, I still rate uh, among my top ten moments in all of gaming. Um, the time when you are in the end of episode three of The Walking Dead, when you find out the fucking radio actually has somebody listening on the other side. Oh yeah, that was probably one of my favorite moments ever. Yeah, we're, we're, we're just recalling that moment, executing the cannibal in front of Clementine and. Um, you know, it says Clementine will remember that or something. Let me just say, something never went from so impactful in a video game to so meaningless uh, than it has in Telltale. Boy, that's absolutely true. That. Like, I started I started behaving differently after those messages appeared, and then I realized none of it mattered. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, it, like now it's completely inconsequential. I mean, will remember that. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter anyway, because they're going to be dead in a chapter. <laughs> my, my kids, my kids were playing Story One. He's like, he's gonna leave, Daddy. What do I do? I'm like, just fucking, he's gonna leave anyway. <laughs> There's nothing, nothing you can do to change this. Make your peace with it now. Exactly. <laughs> People will leave you, my son. All right, we got. There's nothing you can do to change that. We got time for one more game. Should we talk about the flame and the flood? Sure. Why not? Okay. Before we go, though, I just want to ask. So the action. It's just thematically doesn't work, right? No, it's great. We love it, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell me, it's a five out of five. Tell me about the flame and the flood. How's the action in that? Does it fit in with the overall theme of the game? Uh, sure. Sure does. Um, so in the flame and the flood, you are Scout and Aesop. Now, I feel like quite recently on a podcast, you were talking about Huckleberry Finn the game or some shit, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what the context was. Uh, <laughs> Neither do I. Was it the, I think we might have been talking about The Walking Dead. I think we might have been talking oh, yeah, about it, The Walking Dead. Yeah, it was. Dead. I was saying I wanted uh, Telltale to make their own uh, IP or something. I don't I don't remember. But either way, yes. The world, I mean, that's Michelle something where the action Michelle, fits in with the theme. Michelle, the world needed more rafting games. You're, 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 you're traveling down a river with, uh, with a Negro boy. So that's exactly what you wanted. Um, yeah, they did it. <laughs> Jay, Doug is right here. <laughs> uh, I don't appreciate that. And the flame in the flood, yeah, that's what it is. You're, you're, uh, uh, I guess, I guess it's a woman named Scout, and um, her dog Aesop, and um, you're, you are traveling down. The Your dog's name is Aesop. Mm-hmm. Like the the writer. Yep. Yeah, that's like the guy, the guy who wrote all the fables. Yeah. He was actually a pedophile first, and a writer second. <laughs> I mean, okay. Um. Anyway, you're traveling down uh, this this giant river in a post-apocalyptic kind of um, southern Americana land, and um, you know your goal is really simple. You have to find out where the dog came from, and you have to find this mysterious radio signal, 
And I want to say it's it's mostly a survival game, but it's kind of parts, I guess, Oregon Trail and, and parts um, a score attack because, you know, the, 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 the theme of the game is that all you are is what you leave behind. So it gives you the sense that everything is really a finite, right? And that you are meant to die. So there's really nothing you could do to help that. You can try and survive as long as possible. You can try and get as far down the river as possible. But there's always going to be a point where you're a corpse and that's it. And you have to start all over again. Um, uh, my longest my longest uh, time surviving that game, I guess, is a week so far. But that's because after I, I successfully completed a week, I didn't really want to go back in and ruin um, my good effort. Like Scout had been at the precipice of death. She was starving she was dehydrated she was sick she had a broken leg and i nursed her fully back to health oh yeah it's it's bad um i nursed her fully back to health and uh you know now she's doing well and and so i'm like i'm a i'm a day seven i know i'm like i'm doing great i don't want to fuck this up but i have to go back at some point um and i i don't know I, i really like it it's 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 strangely relaxing strangely cathartic I think it's in part due to kind of the soundtrack and how inconsequential everything feels because it's not like you're solving any major story quests. And it's not like you're building um, these incredible structures like you wouldn't rust or anything. It's just kind of get down the river and survive. And um, um, you have a very, very limited inventory space. So you kind of have to be careful with um, how you manage things and do I want to eat or do I want to build traps or do I want to build poisons? Um, you know, do I want to build up my wrath? Things like that, and um, um, I don't know. It's, I I I dig it. I, I dig it a lot. I I like it. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how else to to explain it outside of that. Um, I mean, like what? Uh, like so, you're you're rafting. You're surviving. Are, are there what, what kinds of elements are like working against you aside from like shitty raft driving? I guess. <laughs> well, actually, the raft driving is a lot better than I was expecting because when I was watching the trailer. I was like, okay, so the the, the rash is going to be intentionally unruly, but it it works pretty well, and then you can um, upgrade it to feel even better. So at one point, it eventually becomes like, just how good are you at steering and avoiding the obstacles? Um, so that's what's really nice about it. So, but there's a couple of there's a lot of things working in tandem against you. So it's the 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 four basic things you kind of need in every survival game. You need to eat, you need to drink, you need sleep, you need rest. Um, and you need to manage body temperature. Um, you know, you can't let any of those things drop too far. Once it kind of hits 50%, that's when it will warn you. Um, you know, and what you basically do is you raft from one island to the next. Islands are typically pretty small. They come in um, a few different types. So there will be a farm or there'll be wilderness uh, campsite. You'll find special locations exclusively for repairing your raft. You'll find um, churches occasionally. Um, you know, every once in a blue moon, you might find a shop, but that happens very rarely. And and um, equally rarely, you might find some other NPCs who are willing to help you out or whatever. Um, you know, and you kind of have to plan carefully as to what kind of island you're going to stop at because you can't stop at every island in a location. The the, the river is always moving forward. Um, there's no way for you to go back and go to any island that you miss. Mm-hmm. So if you see something coming up, if you see like a farm coming up, or if you see um, a repair station coming up, you have to decide which one of those two things you need more. Um, 
as you get deeper into the game, you're going to find more and more animals that, of course, want to kill you. So you have boars, wolves, snakes, and bears. Um, there is an exact balance as to what will attract the different kinds of animals towards you. So so wolves are probably going to be the first most likely enemy you encounter. You could use fire to scare the wolves away, but um, later on, fire will attract snakes. So you kind of... um. You have to manage carefully your tactics in terms of driving these animals away and and you can kill them under special circumstances you can kill them with unique traps or um getting them to collide with another animal um but you know you shouldn't rely on that too badly and in fact in a lot of cases i've just up and abandoned an island because there are way too many animals where i'm like i can't deal with this shit i'm gonna have to wait until i get to the next one to find food or whatever um Weather works against you, of course. Storms are pretty regular regular around here. Um, you know, and and food. Food food can spoil pretty easily. Um, so you what, know, what you're talking about sounds like a lot of work. Does not it, really. Does it streamline pretty nicely? That was <laughs> what I was going to ask from there. It's, it's streamlined pretty nicely. It's not like once you get the flow of things, it's really easy Um in fact, I'm kind of I'm kind of slow on the uptake when it comes to these games. So when it asked me if I wanted it to reset tooltips each time I died, I was like, "Yeah, fuck yes." But no, it takes you know you get used to the flow of the game pretty easily. The four your four main resources are easy to manage. Um, you know, I I guess I feel like animals work closer to a rock paper scissors mechanic than anything else. Like you know, you want rabbits to eat. You know, the rabbits will attract wolves. You know, trying to get rid of the wolves will attract snakes. Um, it's not hard to remember at all. It's not hard to remember anything. Um, it's all pretty easy to figure out. Recipes are pretty easy to keep track of and figure out. You're not going to be balancing the whole lot of resources over the course of the game. And, um, you can go to several islands and in fact several days without taking care of any one particular need. Um, so, you know, you can go, you can go like a day or two without food before things start to get really dire. You can go a day or two without um, water. You can go a little bit without having to repair your raft. So it's kind of as things come. And as, as you get as you get further down the river, the pressure is, of course, going to rise and rise. It's going to get harder and harder to survive. Um, but it's not it's not overwhelming at all. It's like not a lot to remember, especially if you played other survival games, I think. Do you, where where are you going? Is there is it ever just something that's like talked about at all, or is it just like riding the river? It's just find the, the mysterious the... radio signal. That's yeah, that's your only goal in oh, the game. Okay, find Trading the find tall the tales radio. for sponge baths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that's kind of what I was getting at. Is, yeah, you know what's the what what's the end goal aside from certain death, which I like. I like that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's kind of it. it. The game doesn't put a whole lot of pressure on you. There are quests that you can collect from mailboxes across. Um, again, ma- mailboxes are only found on certain islands. Um, and it just gives you a real simple goal. Like, okay, go build a stone knife. You build it and you get it. And then the next time you find a mailbox, you can turn it in and get your little reward. Um, but yeah, it, it's like, where is this radio signal coming from? And where the fuck did this dog come from? Go find that out. And that's why you're going down the river. So I, I assume there's an end game. I assume that, you know, there's an eventual goal point that I want to hit. I just haven't found it yet. I have no idea how many weeks. It might be it like, is. it might be like Don't Star. We're getting to the end. It's actually pretty harrowing. <laughs> yeah, oh. it could be. Seriously. 
Um, there is an ending to Don't Star. It's just really, really hard to get there. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's the feeling I get that from the flame and the flood. Um, and I know there is an ending because there's a campaign mode and there is an endless mode. So mm. endless wouldn't exist if like the campaign didn't have an end. So uh, kind of a, a final uh, question regarding it. Um, you, I'm sure someone worked very hard on it. Uh, but uh, objectively, definitively, how, <laughs> how much money is it worth? I think it's worth what I paid. I paid $20 for it. And um, I, was, I was skeptical at first, especially because I don't super love um, Rivers. these types of games. I, I, I love Rivers. I just don't particularly love survival games. Oh, yeah. Uh, and when they turn games that aren't survival games into survival games, I react pretty badly. But I feel like it's a nice mix. I feel like there's something very kind of um, meditative about the about the game, about the experience, about just going down that river with your dog. Um, you know, I, I think it has... Is there a black man in the game? I haven't encountered any black people yet. Because then um, it's, it's not really a Huckleberry Finn simulator, is it? Well, I've, I've encountered I've encountered some feral children who are both white. I mean, um, we could we could uncover some plot here, though. Like, what if the dog is a black guy who got cursed by a witch? Yeah, it's probably true. Jared, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Considering his name is probably a German pedophile that got tricked by a witch. Um. All right. Well, soundtrack's I think... amazing. I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack's amazing. Good job. Good job to the soundtrack. Which also track. I think that's I think that's probably a good a good stopping point uh, for for the Enemy Slime podcast, your number one source for finding out whether or not the action matches the thematics of a game. You know what, Jared? You're so fucking funny. <laughs> I'm just saying. I got. I, I didn't feel like we spent that long about on it until you started asking all those questions. <laughs> what do you want us to be like? Hey, Jared, shut up. <laughs> Is this the end of the tough boys? <laughs> the tough boys are breaking up. <laughs> oh man, tough boys for life. Uh, if Jared is an asshole. Speaking of which, if you wanna <laughs> if you wanna come play Rust with us, come join our Steam group, and we'll uh, we'll we'll get you a sleeping bag, and you too can be one of the tough boys, uh, building up stuff and doing whatever tough boys do. We mostly just run around and play baseball. Um, and uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, go check out our website, enemyslime.com. Subscribe to us on Facebook and Twitter. We're at The Enemy Slime on both of those services. And uh, I think that's, I think with that, we're, we're out. I don't even know how to talk into the microphone anymore. Then don't talk. Sing. Full house theme. I have no idea. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you go. Look, there's a hard. Wait, hard heartbreaker. Somebody who needs you. Somebody who needs you. When you're lost out there and you're all alone. 
Stop wait, and just wait. To carry you home everywhere you live. Man, I thought I was. Do, 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 do. I thought I was being facetious both those times, but apparently I know the theme song you pretty could. well. You, do, you know it better <laughs> it than either like you, of us. You know more than you thought you did.